You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Oh yeah, welcome back to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show It's me, Joe Thrashenkill, joined again by the good and golden boy The internet sweetheart, you know him, you love him He's 365 Days of Horror, or as I like to call him, Jordan Jordan, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Joe? Doing my best, man. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I, I know you weren't around for the the episode we did um, with Adzas during the October Spooktacular. Uh, we watched a movie called Aterados, or Terrified, Argentinian horror movie that was very, very scary. Uh, and last night, I got to catch that director Demian Rugna's update, uh, latest movie uh, called When Evil Lurks. And boy, that one was fucked. <laughs> this gets it's the, a Christmas movie, right? Yeah, exactly. This gets my highest uh, highest recommendations uh, in terms of the uh, you know the the awful horror movies that we watch on this show. What an incredibly mean spirited evil movie! <laughs> you got to wonder with movies, uh, with directors that put out movies that are all kind of like mean and nasty, or even certain actors or actresses that always play creeps or like violent massages or something like that like is it art or is this kind of life starting to creep in a little bit i gotta wonder man uh with with this guy in particular i'm sure he's just like in real life just the nicest guy but uh for some reason he he's uh able to tap into just this depraved mindset to uh to create these movies and i guess we're all the richer for it uh, have you heard so of this is, one isn't that like uh Mar- was it mary suing himself Oh. <laughs> putting himself in all of his movies, like the super handsome director guy who likes cutting people up. <laughs> uh, have you heard of this movie? No, I haven't heard of any of these. Um, so I, 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 a friend of mine texted me about it the other day, and the word the word he used to describe it was wet. <laughs> uh, hmm. So that, that that sold me on this. Uh, it's a it's a demonic possession movie essentially but uh it's it goes it goes all over the place um i i re- really i think uh at that uh for folks that listen to that episode i think that was a scarier movie uh but this one when evil lurks is uh more fucked if that's if that uh, is a fair comparison there so gonna ho- go ahead and give that 10 stars uh highly recommended for all of our horror fans i just had to Add that note there, since we did watch Damien Rugna's other film for this particular program. Um, you gonna use my shutter login to watch this one? We'll see what happens. <laughs> I know that you like to to give some things some distance from when they're released. This one just came out, and I am seeing a fair amount of hype for it. So maybe wait for the hype to die down, then you can uh, dive in, make your own decision with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait for the hype to die down. I'll see it uh, two years from now, and I'll go. Eh. It's okay. It is okay. Um, what do you got going on? What's what's been happening for you? Uh not a whole heck of a lot. I I had to give up my office at work, so I'm kind of depressed about that. You had to give it's up one your of those office. Things. Yeah, it's one of those things where you know someone else decides to 
these people need to be in this office and these people need to be in this building and eventually trickle down to me and say, we need to put two people in this office. You're one person. Get oh, fuck. So I had a good run. I had like four or five years of having my own office. So, and, and to make it worse, I'm like down the hall now in like a cubicle with a bunch of other people. So I can still like see the office and, you know, it's like uh, breaking up with someone you go to school with and have class <laughs> with, and you just, you see him all the time and you, you know, you see him happy and it's just like, uh, I'm sad. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, On the other hand, like my building is getting knocked down in a year and they're building what? up something fancier. So I, I would have had to leave anyway. This is just, speeding up the process so i mean that's awful uh you're losing your debt your office by the way you're the only person i've known around our age that's ever had an office um it's it's at least you get a cubicle and you're not getting put into an open office concept plan you know uh yeah i don't have to stare at people and i got to choose my cubicle which was the one all the way in the back in the corner so like no one's behind me so i can like just watch youtube Good call. And go on Twitter and stuff when <laughs> work isn't that busy. Yeah, man. My last uh, office job, um, I did get a cubicle, which was the first I'd had in like eight years. And then, of course, the walls on the cubicle are non-existent. So it's like, what's the point? You can all see me fucking around online. I might as well be like directly in front of my boss. Um, truly, tr- the, the ways that, you know, the office just steals you of your ability to be a human and waste time it's just it's not fair (laughs) and these at least these cubicles are tall so like i really don't have to like see the back of someone's head or hear them clacking on a keyboard there's another building uh, a newer one that's like almost open office concept they're cubicles but they're super small the walls are really low and they (laughs) they gave people like privacy doors but it's just a little sliding thing for your cubicle with no top on it. Oh so God. what difference does it make? People can still hear your phone calls and like see you through the little glass window they put in. Awful. Uh, completely dehumanizing. Hate that. Uh, I'm really glad to uh, to leave the office environment behind. And now I just, you know, you know, poke and prod naked people all day. I guess that's you know, feels more more secure. <laughs> hey, there are people out there; they would pay to have them have have that happen to them. So, you know, you're getting paid to do what you love, and yeah. uh, you know, hopefully, no one dies on you this week. Uh, here's here's hoping, man. Um, we got a lot of things that we need to cover on this week's show. A lot of things that have slipped through the cracks over the past weeks and months. Uh, where do you where do you want to start with this? Uh. Let's start with the funny thing that you showed me, <laughs> uh, music that is. And uh, I think people need to know about this song because it has been in my head for the 10 minutes since you showed it to me. Yeah, uh, you're really, um, really going to enjoy this. We're going to play a nice little uh, clip here uh, to go along with it so that you can enjoy the same uh, the same sensation. Um, I learned this week that uh, Sharon Osborne, that would be the wife of Ozzy, uh, had a girl group, a disco girl group uh, that she was a part of 40 years ago or so. That uh, was uh, had one single that was released on, uh, God, was it Jet Records? I think that was the one that her dad owned, uh, Don Arden. Is that the one? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she got 
she got this record deal uh, through uh, talent and hard work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the name of this group, the Chic Etz, um, what, what what does that say to you? I'm just picturing the Iron Sheik with different glittery wigs on. Yeah, yeah, I kind of get kind of get the same thing here. Um, this is a single called "You Can Strike Oil in Hollywood." Uh, so clearly some kind of theme, uh, Middle Eastern theme going here. And I'm sure that it's going to be incredibly tasteful. Uh, so let's go ahead and listen to it right here. familiar with uh, the concept of orientalism and edward said <laughs> like is there a flying carpet they were on when they were singing this <laughs> yeah the promo shot is them all riding a camel <laughs> they really um, just went for that theme i guess it was the 70s and everyone was trying to get their one dance hit like uh, when i heard this i thought of Boney M's Rasputin, like mm-hmm. just kind of the same, trying to lean into the what do we know about these scary foreign people? We know this one song or this one sound and stereotypical clothes they wear, and let's run with it. I mean, this is number one, it's a bad song. Uh, and number two, it's racist. So it's it's not really winning here. But you know, this was the 70s. You could get away with things like that. You couldn't get away with something like that, say. You know, a decade later with a, you know, nobody would ever make a hit song based on that, would they? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you did have Kung Fu fighting around this time, right? Yeah, you had Kung Fu fighting. You had turning Japanese. You had, you know, it's unfortunately, this is still a thing up until I believe the 2010s uh, when you had Gwen Stefani with mm-hmm. her Harajuku girl thing. <laughs> And everyone went, uh, and now she's just the host or one of the judges for The Voice and making more money than ever. A show I've never once seen in my life, but I see her on my TV at least once a week because uh, I guess hopefully since the writer's strike is ended, I can see an ad for something other than these fucking singing competitions. Uh, Seems unlikely, though. Um, Didn't Avril Lavigne like up maybe five or six years ago do like a Hello Kitty thing as well? Yeah, and I think her at the time husband Chad Co- Kroger co-wrote it. Ah, good for him, good for him. Uh, so you know, I guess this wasn't exactly an isolated incident of uh, you know taking a whole culture of peoples and putting it on like a cheap costume to write a novelty uh, song that didn't even sniff the charts. But uh, you know, what a shame. Uh, there are I'm so surprised. Many... Sorry, I'm ahead. just surprised that this is the first time we've heard about this. Like Sharon talks a lot yes. all the time especially about herself yes and she just never mentioned that she did this i mean i guess part of this is that there are a lot of voices here so you can't tell which one is hers uh you know maybe that's part of it that she was just kind of hanging out she didn't actually sing on this one it's possible possible but nowadays she's more interested in the cancel cultures and what have you um but that, that's not all. There was actually a uh, another thing that uh, Sharon was talking about. Again, she loves to talk. 
last week that we didn't get a chance to speak about. Did you did you see this? I did. Do you know that like the whole Osborne family has a podcast? Who the fuck is like that's okay. I know about this song because of news stories written about this podcast in which it came up there. But aside from like people who are scraping content for blabbermouth.com, who the fuck is listening to the Osborne's podcast? There are dozens of like kiss podcasts. There's podcasts that focus solely on like one band or their discography. There was that Man of War podcast that lasted for like six episodes. We listened to every episode of that one. Can't wait for the next episode to come out. Yeah. Um. So, I, and this happens a lot with pro wrestlers too. Like, there's dozens of wrestlers that just have crummy podcasts now. They just have someone host it and ask them questions. And I, there's an audience out there that will just listen to these people. Probably not a lot of them. They they do have the benefit of being celebrities or being no names. And whenever they talk, they're, they're going to make news like with the, that song. Or in this case, which uh, was the story, at least on Blabbermouth, with the headline, Sharon Osbourne, why Ozfest stopped. No, I'd be curious to click on that article. I'd like to know why. I mean, I have a pretty good idea why, but maybe there was something specific to it. I mean, like and you, you were uh, you went to a few Ozfest, didn't you? Just one. Just the one. Yeah. Um, I, I've been to an Ozfest. I had a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this was a, a hallmark of, you know, men of a certain age. <laughs> I don't want to want I want to be uh, <laughs> men and women of a certain age. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it, I, was a, it was a Ozfest was a big deal every year during the late 90s, early 2000s, just to like see what the lineup was going to be and predictions. And why is there one random band we've never heard of on this? Um, so in this podcast that they do, don't go listen to it. It's transcribed as saying, yeah, it was a very weird beast because all the bands were our mates, but the managers were greedy. And for some reason, they thought that we were making billions on it and we weren't. We made a profit, but it was not like we couldn't retire on it. And managers and agents wanted more and more and more. And it just wasn't cost effective anymore. We stopped because it just wasn't cost effective. She continues. Years and years ago, one of the bands, it was the second Ozfest we did or the third, wouldn't go on stage until I agreed to give them $10,000 more. And they were holding everything up. And I said, of course, of course, I'll give it to you. When she was pressed by her son, Jack, to name the artist, Sharon said, Glenn Danzig. (laughs) She went on Uh, to say that she didn't give him any money that they were demanding. He went on and played and I went, fuck you. You signed a contract, your agent agreed it. And we're just get, and you're just gouging. Um, boy, I really have conflicted feelings on this. Uh, <laughs> I, on one hand, Danzig has burned me like six times every time I've tried to see him perform live. Uh, and number two, fuck the Osborne. So, gosh, really rocking a hard place with this. I can't, I can't quite, quite tell which side I'm on. It's funny because if you, if she said like, "Oh, snot held us up for money." You'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. Danzig, I fully believe that this actually happened. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's held up shows for chicken sandwiches before. So come on. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Uh, I, I feel like the words that she used, like we made a profit, but it was like we couldn't retire on it. Well, 
you couldn't fucking retire on anything. Ozzy is still out there riddled with Parkinson's and every possible like ailment that an old man can have still dancing for money. So like, what do you consider enough money to retire on? Because clearly you've never sniffed it. It'll never be enough. No, there is no, there's no zero that will finally go. Okay. Yes. Now I have enough money. Uh, just while well, thinking about like the past of Ozfest and then talking about like cost effective, there was a point where Ozfest had three stages. Mm-hmm. There was a point where Ozfest uh, went over to the UK for shows, went over to Japan for shows, even did like a, a European traveling tour with it. So uh, you could talk about the cost effectiveness of doing something like that. And also there was the free Ozfest that they did one year. And how oh, yeah. is that cost effective? I, I'm just saying, so like, I, yeah, the, the the things that she says here, I just I, I'm taking them with a grain of salt. But the dancing thing is absolutely true. <laughs> yes, that I believe. And uh, I did a little digging and I found an article from Blabbermouth from April 12, 2002, which was uh, basically republishing an article from the New York Daily News with the title Ozfest pay to play. Oh, Uber driver sucked me off. Hmm. You would think having a hit show on MTV would be enough for Ozzy Osbourne, but the outrageous rocker wants more money too. For his upcoming Ozfest summer tour, the 53-year-old former Black Sabbath frontman and his wife and manager Sharon are charging bands $75,000 to participate. Where it is the hefty admission charges irking performers like P.O.D., System of a Down, and Rob Zombie, who just replaced Rage Against Machine, who have been lining up for the tour. Some industry insiders even speculate that the unprecedented fee proves that Ozzy's MTV show, The Osbournes, has gone to his head. But Sharon Osbourne tells us that, in the past, some tours have requested cash payments and points on new band CDs. No one has complained to me, and we don't force anyone to pay. She points to the list of bands Ozfest has broken, such as Limp Bizkit and Incubus. We put new talent in front of an average of 22,000 people a day, and that is unprecedented. She is quick to add that, this has nothing to do with Ozzy. This is my business decision, <laughs> and the money goes to my facelift fund. Wow, that's pretty good. So, seventy-five grand to get on this bill, like that's uh, you know, when we talk about how the music industry used to be, where you used to make money theoretically, maybe uh, I could see that maybe making sense if you're playing to. You know, 20,000 people a night over the course of what, like 40 dates, maybe. But who, you know, that's that's a label investment that's never going to ever happen again. Seems to me that, you know, things changed because Ozfest went on until, uh, wait, the, was it 2005 or six or so? Do you remember? It's, it's like started and stopped and started and stopped. And, yeah. but it's, it's never been the same since like, 2007 yeah give or take yeah and it seems like yeah uh your your business model of well gouging everybody involved is probably no longer feasible like nobody's gonna pony up that much money to play so that they can not sell cds (laughs) yeah like bands can't tour now on their own they can't add another seventy thousand seventy five thousand dollar fee on top of it uh you know when you think back to some of the lineups that they had, like for every Slipknot or Incubus that like managed to actually have a career out of it, you have yeah. a Magnify or a, um, a Gizmachi who just did nothing right after it. 
Gizmachi, man. I don't even remember that the first time around. Or uh, Push Monkey. Push Monkey. They had a huge... Here's the thing. Push Monkey had everything going their way except for <laughs> their actual music. <laughs> except for being a good band. Yeah, yep. that's, that's the one thing that chipped them up. Yeah, damn shame. Uh, yeah, it's wild, man. Uh, I And I, I guess the thing is, like, over the years... I'm I'm hard pressed to think of somebody that has a worse reputation in like music in general than Sharon Osbourne. Like, can you think of maybe someone that's possibly screwed more bands? Uh, Digby from Eric. Oh, maybe Digby. Yeah, uh, uh, Tony Victory. I think he's more <laughs> of on a personal level. Yeah, I think just specifically screwing a, a handful of bands, where he's like. Sharon has had success <laughs> and has helped out bands. But I mean, she screwed plenty over too. Yeah, yeah. So Roadrunner, that's another one that's hurt a lot of bands. That is true. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, it seems like she's still pushing her husband to get out there, do things that he should not be doing because he's clearly near death. What's going to happen when Ozzy dies? Like, is she still going to try to have a career? Is she finally going to hang all of this up? Oh, she's going to do. Uh, hologram tours and they're probably recording a ton of stuff with him now so that they can sell uh, videos or put it on YouTube to get advertising money. There's the wheels are in motion. It never stops. They're going to do as much as they can while he's still around so that he's going to be the perpetual motion machine. She's going to defy the laws of thermodynamics (laughs) and make more money after he's gone. She's surely had him record every possible syllable and phrasing so that he can be used as AI Aussie, right? <laughs> oh, b- bands are going to pay for AI Aussie to do guest vocals on their track to, you know, just have him say, let's go fucking crazy. I can't wait for Shock the Monkey part two. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I mean, that's the best song Cold Chamber ever did. So That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Damn shame it was Peter Gabriel's. <laughs> um, well, that'll be fun. That's a fun look at the the future uh, post, uh, you know, the physical form of Ozzy dying. Uh, well, moving moving on from there, you know, I don't I don't want to beat this uh, the desert this is a dead horse too much, but uh, let's let's talk about some other long running acts here and the things that they're up to nowadays. Um, first up here. Now, uh, a personal hobby horse you've had, you've called your shot for years now. You've said that Slayer will be back, right? I've said that. I've also said Dillinger Escape Plan, and they're they're testing me. They keep making like new bands and doing other stuff, but I still believe it's going to happen because they need money, I'm sure. Sure. But uh, Slay- Slayer is the other one. I'm still calling it. It's going to happen sooner or later. I think COVID... Delayed things. I think mm-hmm. uh, I, there needs to be an asterisk there, like next to 61 home runs. <laughs> um, but yeah, K- Kerry King has been threatening to put out music since Tom Mariah said he was going to stop doing Slayer. Yes. And it's finally maybe sort of going to happen. Maybe. I So we don't have anything to listen to just yet, but uh, very I wonder what it'll sound like. Yeah, I know, right? Very exciting, though. He has released a logo for his solo act. And I took one glance at this. And the first thing I thought was uh, like LaMelo balls, big baller brand. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking 
like musician, celebrity, alcohol. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that just branded on the side of just rot gut whiskey. <laughs> and I could see him like sitting at your local halfway decent liquor store signing bottles. Yeah, yeah, I could, I, I can see that. That probably will happen in the future. Um, th- this is, you know, the. Have you ever seen the Cottonmouth Kings logo? Because that's what this is with uh, an upside down cross at the bottom of it. This may, in fact, be the first and only time we will mention Cottonmouth Kings on this show. Lord willing. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate. They're still around. They still do stuff. Yeah, man. They're, they're like successful. <laughs> they make money. Uh, that's why we don't talk about them. Uh I do like that the logo has the chrome gradient on it. So I will give him credit there that that is a very tasteful move. Um, Someone has a crack copy of Photoshop. Is it me? Uh, I uh, I think that, uh, that he announced that he's going to be playing shows next year, starting with Welcome to Rockville, uh, which is the most appropriate place for Kerry King. That would be Daytona, Florida. Um, what... What do you think? Uh, he's got he's got Paul Bostaff signed on, so he's got again three quarters of Slayer, quote unquote, working for him already. Uh, what's what's he gonna do uh, for a vocalist? Hmm. I mean, I hope he doesn't do the vocals. I think he has enough sense not to do that. I would hope not um, too. You know, because he's it been in slayer and has had enough success he could probably pluck someone out of a real band uh, at least to do record an album and to maybe do a tour or two like i could see randy blythe maybe doing vocals for him interesting i've seen rumors that uh phil and selmo actually would be the guy on the mic for that i could see that too um they have a lot of things in common <laughs> <laughs> a lot of th- we have much to discuss phil um <laughs> I mean, I think it's best for him to get a known person rather than just like a rando or having auditions or something like sure. that. Get someone else with the name recognition, a uh, hired gun of some sort. Fuck, get get Corey Taylor. Who cares? Just get someone else from another successful band to do new music, to do covers, to do Slayer songs. And there's enough people out there. We're seeing it with this faux Pantera thing that people will go see it. Yeah, uh, people will go see it. Uh, people have gone and, and seen these bands. By the way, have you heard anybody like actually talking about them, like saying that was a great show or anything? Because I have not heard that once. Uh, the only people I've heard that from are like commenters commenting on like live clips mm. of the shows. But I think those people just love Pantera so much or have wanted to see them for so long. They're just happy to experience it. They don't actually enjoy the product you yeah. know what i mean it's like yeah. uh, going back to your childhood neighborhood and going back to the same diner you used to go to and you're just happy that you're there it doesn't matter that it's always been bad <laughs> that's that seems fair to me um well what do you are, are you going to see uh carrie king's priest if they if they come to a a venue near you kk's priest but priest is spelled with a y um, <laughs> I don't think so. I will. I'll listen to a song that they put out and go, yes, this is exactly what I expected it to sound mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost hopeful 
that he doesn't do what I know he's going to do and just anything else, whether it's, oh, this sounds like black metal. This sounds like punk. <laughs> this sounds like uh, Dee Dee Ramone putting out an awful rap song. I we should be him more we should he... be so lucky. But that, of course, not. He doesn't he doesn't have range. He doesn't have the range of a Dee Dee Ramone. <laughs> no. My name is Carrie and I'm here to say. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to sound like Slayer. We know it is. And if you really love Slayer, you love that type of thrash. This is for you and for everyone else. You just go, yep, that's Gary King. Uh, I am looking forward to listening to 15 seconds of a live clip of this at some awful, awful stage in Daytona Beach. Uh, and uh, then I'm going to click out of it and probably never think about it again. So uh, that's going to be a fun experience for all of us coming here soon. Um, <clears throat> moving on a little bit. Uh Let's keep in the thrash realm for a minute. Just I, I saw this this week and it's really fucked me up in a way I can't quite articulate. Uh, Municipal Waste is going to be touring, uh, which is not a surprise because they never don't tour. <laughs> like if you want to see they're Municipal Waste, constantly touring. If you want to see Municipal Waste, like you know, just walk out your door. <laughs> they're they're there, man. <laughs> they're probably playing in your town right now yeah simultaneously all of your towns they're somehow able to do it um i uh i was a i was a big you know i i'd consider myself still a fan i haven't really checked out the last couple of records i've kind of checked out on the band a little bit but when uh miss boys first came around the first three or yeah three records or so i was really into them um and this is this is the fucked up thing on the this tour that they're going to be doing next year it's uh, the Brain Squeeze uh, tour. It's going to be put out as the 21st anniversary of their album Waste Em All. Um, the album, the beer-themed thrash band, uh, the record that they started out with is now old enough to drink. And that is deeply, deeply disturbing to me. Um, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you feel about this? Whenever I hear these anniversary numbers or dates, I'm always initially surprised. And then I remember, oh, 1998 wasn't 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, what? Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, but uh, I, I do want to go see, um, you know, this tour because it, it's, it's, it's a good bill. Uh, ghoul, Necrot, and Dead Heat. So nothing but bangers there. Uh, and I do want to see them play uh, I Want to Kill the President. Uh, that's a, a jam, that's a jam from that record, uh, but uh, boy, I I'm just feeling like a real old piece of shit now. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, credit to them for being able to stick around for so long playing one song. Uh, there's only so many bands that are able to do it. Uh, whenever I think of like Municipal Waste longevity and they're you know maintaining their level of popularity or whatever you want to call it, like they've stayed level. Uh, I always think of Toxic Holocaust because I kind of discovered both of them at the same time. They were, at least for my corner of music listening, they were always kind of on the same level. And yeah, Toxic Holocaust has like really dropped off. Oh, yeah, for sure. Always hasn't. Well, Joel Grind started like focusing more on his uh, production work rather than like mm -hmm. making his own music. But yeah, no, they, they were kind of... Uh, on the same breath for a long time. I think that they have multiple splits, if not, if not just the one, uh, but yeah, yeah they have the one uh, through tank crimes. That's it. Yeah. 
the toxic waste split. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I listened to a toxic Holocaust a bit back in the day, but none of those songs have the way of st- sticking with me the way that like guilty of being tight does. <laughs> um, I guess with municipal waste, they, they're catchier, maybe even like more upbeat. Mm-hmm. Whereas like toxic Holocaust is heavier and like e- even a little bit slightly closer to death metal in some parts where it's just pummeling you yeah. over and over again. So maybe that's kind of why uh, there isn't that fun aspect to toxic Holocaust that municipal waste has. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I never saw a show, a toxic Holocaust show where somebody was like bringing boogie boards into the pit or like, <laughs> you know, dressed up in a giant novelty weed costume, uh, which, you know, I've seen it. You know, boy shows. So I don't know. Uh, I, I I realize that you know the band has been long running for a long time. A lot of people don't like the rethrash stick, but it's been so fucking long that like, <laughs> uh, you can't consider this rethrash anymore. It's just somebody else is going to have to do a different wave of re rethrash. <laughs> they've been around so long. There's been multiple revivals of thrash. Yeah, since yeah. they've started, since their revival. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know what you call that. Uh, where, where do you, you have to figure some other way to put them in the the lexicon of metal? But uh, I don't know. It's weird to see, but interesting. And I'm definitely going to go to this show. So uh, looking forward to that. Dead Heat, uh, really into this band, by the way. That's uh, I don't know if you've heard that record they put out earlier this year. It's good as fuck. I remember we briefly mentioned them a couple months ago. We're just like, oh, I don't really know this band. So it's good that you like them now. Yeah, they uh, they have the. Uh, that like suicidal tendencies ask like chorus effect on the guitar. It's real, real retro in a way that like nobody else is touching. Anyway, um, I like that record. Gonna go see the show. Very excited about it. Moving on, let's talk about something weirder. Uh, how about this? Um, did you see that uh, Pustulus Maximus left Gore this last week? Yeah, I saw that. Their guitarist who's been around um, for about 10, 11 years, he was. The sort of replacement for Corey Smoot, who passed away. Yes. Um, they retired his character, Flatus Maximus, and then uh, Pustulus came on, sort of like his own new character, and played on some of their newer records that uh, I haven't listened to. I don't. I don't really listen to the old records either, to be honest with you, man. It's it's a it's a live show. It's not really like a. It's not really like good on record. Um, I, I think they have a handful of songs that are always fun to listen to. Uh, you know, you're sick of yous, your sex sure. executioners, sure. Um, fucking an animal, um, beef sandwich, <laughs> um, sandwich. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's um, I guess when people join Gore as like a character they tend to either stick around for a while or they are killed off immediately. Um, or they're anonymous enough that nobody knows who they were and they just kind of go about their separate ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if you go to their Wikipedia and look at their like members list, there's been five or six beefcakes. There's been uh, a bunch of ball sacks. So it's people can leave and you don't really notice, yeah. but uh, whenever I see someone leave like a well-known band that's been around for a while. I always kind of feel a little bit of like sadness. Sure. And I, I can't quite, I can't quite explain why, but I guess it's like, I, I think part of it is also, I'm hopeful that it's for like a good reason. Like I've, I've done my time. I just want to be with my family and not yeah. like 
you did something horrible or like, I can't take it anymore. I have to get out. So when I saw this news pop up, I saw it included an Instagram post uh, from him that uh, seemed like, you know, we're, we're parting ways. Like I've done it. I'm happy doing this. It's now time to like enjoy the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, which, you know, good, understandable, uh, you know, if you don't want to spend the rest of your life, uh, wearing, you know, giant foam costume and, uh, spraying fake cum everywhere. I get it. People change their hearts, their hearts mature. <laughs> um, you can only do it for so long. Yeah. I guess, I guess it might lose its majesty after you've done it the 6,000th time in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, Somebody grabbed some screenshots uh, from Facebook uh, where uh, folks were talking about how it was a bummer that, uh, that you know, he was leaving. And, um, you know, somebody said, you know, uh, it's probably uh, probably due to money, which, you know, is the answer for most things that we talk about here. Um, somebody just says, yeah, he, so many things pay more. This guy probably clears about $40,000 a year from the rumors. Uh, and then uh, Pustulus uh, himself uh, replies, uh, it's more like half that, unfortunately. Oof. Yeah. Uh, so basically right around the poverty line uh, to be a member of Gwar as, as you know, like the lead guitarist there. Like um, what's, I guess, how much money does this band make overall? And like, how can anybody be a part of this? Like how how is anybody affording to to be in any band essentially? Do you have an answer for me? No, I don't. I guess it's you like playing your instrument and you want to play in front of a lot of people and especially in a well known beloved band and that's for a lot of people that can be enough or at least enough to do it for a decade of your life and sooner or later the the bills pile up. You have families. You have responsibilities. You get hurt you get tired you get old and it's just like i can't do this anymore it's better to have a nine to five job and just have a steady paycheck and have the possibility of health care and dental care and just to be able to live some sort of normal comfortable life yeah it's just um yeah like that's a good thing good thing to note as well like as a member of guar llc you're not getting any kind of health insurance or anything like that either it's just like sure it's fun to put on the costume and spray the fake coming everywhere but like man uh, are you are you willing to like just live on the fucking razor's edge for that <laughs> uh I think that, a lot of people are yeah i mean i don't think i could do it let's say that i i, I don't know um I don't know how anybody who can say like uh, if they had any better option would do this. <laughs> I'm uh, sure there's a couple bands out there that said, you know, that you love, you just love everything they do. If they said, Joe, come play guitar with us tomorrow, you would at least consider it sure. regardless of the money you'd make or any other sort of problems. You you'd grab your stuff and be like, yes, let me hit the stage with uh, muse. <laughs> Yeah. Muse, is that the band that I'm a part of? <laughs> Weird. And uh, I think with like joining a, a band that's well established, uh, that's been around a long time, like Guar, is when you join up later in, you don't own anything. Like you most likely don't have a piece of the Guar name or merchandise. 
I know Gord does a lot of advertising and like sponsorship now with yeah. weed pens or whatever else they're trying to attach their name to. You're probably not seeing any of that money anyway. No, and I, I kind of like have to wonder who is. Uh, I mean, I remember pretty distinctly when Dave Brocky died, like he was found by his roommate. He was a 50, 50 something year old man who, you know, was living in what looked to be pretty squalid house with a roommate. So where does it go? Does it go anywhere? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't have it, then I don't know who does. I remember that story too. And that's like the biggest thing I took away from just a, a sad story to begin with is that this lead guy from a beloved band that get gets plenty of tours and has been on Metal Blade for 30 years needs a roommate in his 50s. That's that's brutal. So I don't know, man. I a little bit of toilet of hell lore. Uh, the episode we put out that has the fewest listeners uh, would be with a uh, founding member of Gore, uh, Techno Destructo. Uh, it's a good interview. People should go back and listen to it. It is, yeah. Uh, but like, I he didn't. It didn't strike me like he was getting these checks either. <laughs> uh, so you gotta I, wonder who who has some of this. Like, does it go to Brian Slagle and Metal Blade? Does it go to like former members who haven't been in for a long time? Does it go anywhere? Who knows? Like I, as much as people like going to see them, I can't recall seeing too many people wearing Guar t-shirts. I don't know, man. Uh, I've enjoyed every show that they've ever done, but like, fuck, that's, that's tough. That's that. I don't know how anybody is able to keep doing this. And I guess it makes a lot of sense. You know, you look at the past members, you know, dozens and dozens of people, Tried it on for a little while, realized that this is not tenable and moved on. So I I I have like who is who is the current vocalist now? Lothar, who used to be the bass player, Beefcake. Right. Like but, 30 years ago. But like I think you said that he's like a, a professor, right? He's an academic, so he has a real job and real responsibilities and on the weekends puts on the giant udders and the moose antlers and sings about blood and cum. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I, I guess what that make makes sense if you have like a steady job and you're doing this on the side, but it's really hard to arrange the schedules of like seven people to do the same thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I know some people that tour frequently will work in the van or the bus like have a daytime job of some sort just to actually make money or to like have something to fall back on. Like some of them even do like data entry. They just sit on the bus for eight hours with a laptop and type and they're able to make some sort of living while being a musician on the side. And you at least have something on your resume too. Should you want to stop doing that? You can at least show that you have a skill that you can do something that you have been reliable it's just not like a blank sheet of paper yeah it's uh just just overall really tough overall um and and you know like you were saying it is it is sad as well so let's let's transition a little bit because this is you know people that are essentially fighting over nothing let's talk about big money over here you okay with that yeah we'll be a big money rustlers for yes this one. um 
so Slipknot kicked out uh, their drummer Jay Weinberg, son of Max Weinberg, who you know I re- remember fondly from watching the Conan O'Brien show when I was a kid. Um, Slipknot has been on a uh, a streak of kicking out people that have been with them for a long time now. Um, didn't get any word on why this was the change. Uh, it seemed like it was uh, came to a surprise to uh, the drummer as well. Have you have you seen anything about this happening? Yeah, I think a lot of people were very surprised, including Jay Weinberg, right, to see this happen because they played, I think, a festival in Mexico on a Friday, and on Sunday, Slipknot put out this statement. We would like to thank Jay Weinberg for his dedication and passion over the past 10 years. No one can ever replace Joey Jordanson's original sound, style, or energy. But Jay honored Joey's parts and contributed to the last three albums, and we, the band, and the fans appreciate it. But as ever, Slipknot is intent on evolving. Uh The band has decided to make a creative decision and to part ways with Jay. We wish Jay all the best and are very excited for what the future holds. And eventually that post was deleted. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder why. Um, so I mean, what you- what a shot to take at the guy that you're kicking out that you didn't even tell that this was gonna happen. Yeah. No one could ever replace Joey Jordanson. Well, thanks. I've been with you for a decade, and you're saying that as you're grabbing my belt buckle and the nape of my neck and tossing me out <laughs> of the van. You're giving me the bums rush. Um I I don't it's tough because like, uh, you know, there's that photo of uh, Jay Weinberg, like wearing the Corey Taylor mask, like meeting mm-hmm. Slipknot when he was like a small child. Um, so he's, you know, been a fan of this band. He joined the band and he's like, well, peace. Uh, I don't really understand what's going on. They uh, kicked out their keyboard player. Uh, we talked about that like a few months ago, uh, and he'd been around since like the beginning. Uh it's it seems like uh you know we're at the nearing the end of a Scorsese movie right now where it's just guys are getting picked off left and right. <laughs> yeah, we're just slowly zooming in on a pink Cadillac with Jay Weinberg's corpse in it. Yeah, you've got uh the acoustic version of a Layla playing while like you know, Corey Taylor's rapping over it. <laughs> Chris Fenn is in a freezer truck hanging from a meat hook. <laughs> Directed by Clown. Um, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you make of all this? What do you think's going on? It has to be money. It has like, to be, That right? can be the only thing they're, they're kicking out number one, like earlier members who probably have a bigger cut of the pie. Yep. And now they're kicking out the drummer who's, this was obviously his dream to play with this band. Yep. He's been with them for three albums yep. over a decade. Uh, as far as we know, has not been any sort of problem. Hasn't been getting into fights with people, hasn't been making scenes, hasn't been getting drunk and screwing up shows. Seems by all accounts to be a professional as far as we know. And to pull the plug so suddenly and in such a way where you insult him on the way out does not seem good for the band. No, it very much seems like this is a business decision. And just recently, Corey Taylor would like talk about the money they make in Slipknot, where it's like, yeah, I have enough money to make the house, but you know, we're not making Taylor Swift money. It's like, you're, you're still doing pretty well, especially for a band that uh, even fans would say your most recent outputs have not been very good. 
Yeah. Um, of course, you're not making fucking Taylor Swift money. Taylor Swift makes Taylor Swift money. No one is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Asshole. Um, my uh, un- unfounded speculation here is that uh, they're kicking out people that they would otherwise have to pay uh, that have, you know, obligations like, uh, you know, families and things that need money uh, with their uh, children. Uh, the ones that are, you know, doing the Slipknot, uh, Slipknot uh, ripoff band uh, themselves and touring with Slipknot at the moment. Uh, I think that they figured it'll be cheaper. They can kind of keep it in the family uh, if they get their their shitty kids in this. What do you think? Yeah, I think Clown Son is a drummer and their band would vended. So yeah. put him right in. No problem. You don't even have to pay him. You can give him an allowance. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if it happens, but that's, I genuinely believe that that's, what's going to happen. Uh, and Jay Weinberg put out a, a statement just yesterday talking about the situation. I sometimes wonder what it would be like to pay a visit to my wide eyed 10 year old self falling head over heels in love with a new and exciting sound and culture and tell him all about the last 10 years. Even on the hardest days, I'd like to think he'd be stoked about the adventure that was in store for him. I was heartbroken and blindsided to receive the phone call that I did on the morning of November 5th, the news of which most of you learned shortly after. However, I've been overwhelmed by and truly grateful for the outpouring of love and support I've received from this incredible community I consider to be my creative and artistic home. This is not the ending to the journey I've dreamt of and committed myself to seeing through, not by a long shot. But despite the confusion and sadness, there's something that's provided an equal amount of comfort. For maybe reading this 10 years ago, we weren't yet acquainted, and now we are. For that, I'm thankful in ways I'll never be able to fully express. I love playing the drums. I'll always love playing the drums. I'll always have a passion for music, art, and creative expression. Nothing will ever change that. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I look forward to creating loud, passionate, and heartfelt music that we enjoy together again. Until then, please know that I've been. it's been the joy of a lifetime to spend the last 10 years with you, sharing in our love for the special corner of music and art world. This isn't the end, and I'm thrilled to discover what the future has in store for us. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, uh, sure does seem like he got shanked. And it surprises everyone else that this happened, and uh, that was a very clear and heartfelt and well done statement so it's not like yeah he's fucking guy <laughs> you know maybe he should have though yes he, he <laughs> seems to have a good head on his shoulders and he's a talented drummer that's been in one of the biggest metal bands so i am sure he will find a place somewhere whether it's joining an already established band or most likely starting a side project with greg pucciato yeah he's he's collecting them all right now <laughs> Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see what, what Slipknot LLC is doing. Um, again, we, we, we can only have wild speculation until we finally, uh, finally get an answer here, but I, uh, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans. That's, that's, I'm officially making that declaration. Um, we, uh, I've got a couple of other things we could talk about here. I just want to open up the floor to you. Is there anything in particular you really want to dive in right here? Hmm. No, no, dude. Let's go with what you want to do. Uh, I have been reading Zombie Metal Sucks uh, on and off. <laughs> You're the one. I'm the one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I. Here's the thing: quality control was never job number one over there, <laughs> but we're really, we're really hitting new strides here. Um, they put out an article, uh, 
let's see, last week called Black Metal MVPs of 2023, uh, which I clicked on because that's an absurd title and because the photo here is of two uh, disgusting looking men. Uh, that would be Nicholas Crabforth and Host, which is described by the author here as the beautiful Nicholas Crabforth and Host. You're, you're seeing the same photo right. that I am. There's nothing beautiful inside or out, but I will say for what host, you have to pronounce it like Frank Reynolds. Hoost. Hoost. Your mother's a hoost, children. (laughs) No, these are both hideous men. They're both hideous men. Uh, They both like have, they're, they're balding. They have acne. They're just drunk all the time. Uh, no muscle mass, uh, vis- visibly stinky. Um, anyway, I clicked on this because that's a weird title, and I was curious here. Uh, it starts off here. The black metal MVPs of 2022 included many prolific Trondheim-based artists, such as Wrath and Kvitrum. The latter not only unveiled the highly acclaimed Nask, either nothing sort with Javel, but he also won a Spellman, or Norwegian Grammy, for Tankersom Rirnatten as did his bandmates Faust yeah, and Tren Siekels. In September 22, the the revered frontman Dodsmir rolled delighted fans twice, first with an album by Nordjevel and then an EP by Dodsvanger. <laughs> I feel like I have a concussion. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, this is says right here, however, whereas last year was not an especially great time for black metal overall, select gems aside, 2023 has been absolutely remarkable. Granted, there are a few offerings that we were eagerly anticipating that will probably end up being delayed until 2024. Nevertheless, we are grateful for all the extraordinary material that has already dropped. Today, we honor the black metal artists who have kept the flame alive over the past months. Were you familiar that uh metal sucks ran a regular thing called the black metal mvps of x year absolutely not no same like this nonsense um there are a bunch of acts here that i am vaguely familiar with but don't really care about um not sure uh, about you if you've had a chance uh, to dig through it some of these names sound familiar but i mean black metal is never my thing especially black metal from like well-known pieces of shit yeah, like you're you're talking about Faust in the first part here. It's like mm, I don't know. It's like I don't I don't know what to expect. Um, here we go. Here, uh, it says uh, Man of the Year, Nicholas Kvara Fourth. Are you are you familiar with Nicholas Kvara Fourth? I am. One of the most read articles on Total of Hell is the one where I reported about Nicholas Kvara Fourth. Playing a show in like Idaho or Wyoming or something like that, and like getting into fights with people, threatening to rape women, doing what sure looks like a Zig Heil on footage. So yeah, I know him. Uh, pretty cool, pretty pretty cool guy, I would say. Um, it starts here. Nicholas Kvarforth is the black metal knight in shining armor, whose blinding excellence makes this cruel world just a little more bearable despite his sinister intentions. Do you want to uh, take that bite by bite here in the first sentence alone? I mean, that is 
That is some frilly prose right there for a shitty human being. I'm just remembering like the Virginia Heffernan uh, tweets like Hillary Clinton is light itself. (laughs) I Um, asked my three-year-old what they wanted to listen to. And they said the black metal knight in shining armor and Nicholas Kvarforth. And then we both cried. And we both seek Heiled. Nicholas Kvarforth is the black metal knight in shining armor whose blinding excellence makes this cruel world just a little more bearable despite his sinister intentions. Kvarforth is only 39, but this genius, but this genius has inspired countless artists. In fact, he is my personal role model and hero. Yeah. Girl, you people. Girl, you in danger. Um, do you, do you remember, um, uh, I think you, you had covered it for like a shirt stains, but, uh, Nicholas Kvarforth had, uh, some t-shirts that said like, uh, I think about, uh, Nicholas Kvarforth when I'm fucking my boyfriend. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was like, found the, the one, found the one. <laughs> you found the proud owner of one shirt. Uh, it says here, um, the artistic integrity of Kvarfors' offerings mm. is almost wholly unprecedented, as he proved yet sure. again on two separate knockout albums this year. His devilish... He's, he's the Frank Zappa of black metal. Yeah. His devilish charisma, performance abilities, and compositions will redefine your understanding not only of dark music, but of the arts in general. Jesus fucking Christ. I Never have I seen a thespian do what this man accomplishes with ease. His vocals are in a league of their own. The masterpiece that is shining may have been unleashed on September 15th, but the record's three singles began tormenting fans with their majesty well in advance. Shining perfectly sums up the essence of one of the genre's greatest bands. The lyrics are so phenomenal that they have caused me intense pain. They will be included in the sixth edition of Kvarov's book, When Prozac No Longer Helps. Up the dosage. Uh, agreed. We touched upon Hostel's Lang Lev Doden above, like Shining, it is one of the most highly regarded albums of all time. And of course, Nicholas' contributions are beyond perfect. So, what, what do you make of this? We We get a lot of PR emails every mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. every week, every month, and they are not as like effusive in their praise and love and devotion to people that are paying them as much as this article is to Nicholas Kvarthworth. I like this is this is a beyond a love letter. This yes. is a lust letter. This is shameful. Let, let's let's be clear here. Like that, this is uh, like a tongue bath. That should not be published like anywhere but on your Zanga. Like this, <laughs> this is pathetic. Um, I don't know anything about Bree Halmstead, the writer here, but I gotta say, this makes me less likely to want to. No, I take that back. If I were a normal person, I would be less likely. Now I'm much, much more likely to read everything that she puts out. <laughs> Funny thing I found out after just kind of clicking around uh-huh. that um, when you look up her other articles on metal sucks. The URL doesn't say Brie Homestead. It has her real name on it. And <laughs> she's job. also a writer for metal injection. So I assume this, these love letters for black metal are stuck on metal sucks rather than metal injection because people don't read metal sucks anymore. Uh, 
I'm right here, bro. <laughs> I, I uh, said people. I didn't say a person. Okay. Uh, okay. And it, it it's just kind of funny being around long enough and knowing, like, at least what Metal Sucks used to be and how they would cover some of okay. these bands that are getting praise. Yes. yes. It's just, it's very different. Things have changed. Things have definitely changed. Like, uh, in uh, there is no way that, like, Nicholas Fafforth would have ever had anything, like, nice let alone like full on this sexual fan fiction written about him. Uh, just say like five years ago. I uh, mean, if they did, it would have at least been funny and obviously joking. Like sure. I, I hope Nicholas, you know, whispers sweet nothing in my ears while we listen to Bathory. That's not this. This is like, yes, I actually want this to happen. Pretty gross stuff, man. Uh, pretty, pretty gross in general. Um, just looking at her output over the last couple of uh, years, there's uh, lots, just lots of very specific uh, love for a very specific black metal artists, including multiple pieces with Neil Jameson, who I think I'm on record. I think fucking sucks. <laughs> Again, I, we, I, we it, joked about this a lot as well. Like, have you ever met a fan of like any of his music? It's like, well, I guess we found the one now. <laughs> uh, the, Krieg just played by me like this past weekend. I bet it there were upwards of six people there, man. <laughs> it was a small venue, but you know what? I'm sure it was probably very crowded because it's black metal in a place that doesn't get a lot of it. And those people come out and they want to see these bands. I guess so. Um, anyway. I don't I don't really know what to make of any of this, but this was bizarre enough that I've felt the need to share it with other people <laughs> this is a passion project for this writer that didn't fit in anywhere else and they have this outlet where it sure seems like they're pretty loose about what they cover now oh yeah so there you go maybe we'll we'll have to send vince a direct message and just to to see what he has to say about it i mean, I'm sure he like, doesn't care um yeah, i doubt he cares either he, he fucking sold out made the money on this it's somebody else's problem now this is this is a problem for the orchard group, dude. <laughs> yeah, what what a bad purchase for them. Just what a money hole. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny to think like using investor dollars to like suck off Nicholas Crawford. <laughs> uh, and There's some think... soulless Bain Capital companies threw in a uh, million dollars to try to make something happen, and then just forgot about it. And now yep. people can do whatever they want. Yep. So. Good, good gig if you can get it, I guess. Uh, I don't really have anything else that I need to say on this one. I just want you to be reminded of the blinding genius of the guy from Shining. I think that'd be important for all of us as we head out for for this week. Uh, and you have any sick, sexy, shiny black metal armor? Yeah, yeah. You have anything else you want to add? Uh, music related, but not necessarily metal related. Um, have you heard about Billy Corrigan and his wrestling company? Uh, briefly here and there. Uh, I know he's a he's a lifelong wrestling fan, right? But and he bought some kind of promotion a couple of years ago. NWA, which was like, if you go mm. back, you know, pre WCW was like the wrestling company in yeah. the country. So he bought the corpse of that and has been running it for a few years. They have like shows on YouTube and it exists. I think there are some fans, but whatever they, I think just earlier this week, there were talks of them. They were striking a deal to get on the CW, 
which would be a, a pretty good deal for them. They finally get on TV. CW yeah. was in millions of houses. They had a pay-per-view like just a couple of days ago where a bunch of people were seen. And this is like in character snorting cocaine and CW media went, Whoop. Nope, we're not going to give it to you. We're done. So <laughs> way to screw the pooch in record time. Incredible. Absolutely. Like, why? <laughs> like, why did you do just, this? It was, the creativity and the ideas were just so good. They had to do it. All right. Well, uh, mad respect to Billy Corgan for once again shooting himself in the fucking foot. <laughs> Beginning to seem like a pattern. It does, does it not? Um, it's a, it's a shame that you can't go in and uh, do the wrestling for these other people when they're not paying attention, like you did with all the music. <laughs> <laughs> and then charging people sixty dollars for a tour T-shirt. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that'll do it uh, for us on this one. Uh, if you like this show, the good news is we do a, a Patreon. Yeah. We can give us money, and then we got extra bonus episodes that are not available to the general public. Supplies are limited, so act now over at patreon.com slash toilet of hell. Uh, we also do uh, mixtapes and shit like that, uh, and we're online. Where where are we online at? Go to toiletofhell.com, patreon.com slash toilet of hell. You can join the toilet of hell discord. You can like us on Facebook, Twitter. At Toilet of Hell, at Joe Thrash and Kill, Blue Sky, Instagram. Uh, the biggest way that people can help us with the show is to tell people. Share it on social media. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Listen to it, rate it. Anything you can do, the more people listen to it. The bigger the show gets, the better things are. We do have t-shirts that will be coming out soon. We do have stickers that we'll be putting out soon. So lots of good things on the way. Uh, big things happening. Watch this space. Uh, all right, we'll see you next time. Bye.
listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.